So yeah, so today we're going to be talking about, like I said, we're going to be talking about uh, this idea called the, well, the, the topic formally was the inner testimony of the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to broaden that just a little bit, just to more generally talk about the Holy Spirit and how it relates to the Bible, right? So the whole class is about the Bible. This is kind of a, a foundational class, just going back to, you know, what do we believe about the Bible? What can we learn about the Bible? This is um, this is God's revelation to us. So in some ways, I know that maybe a class about the Bible seems maybe almost too foundational or like too simple. But in reality, you know, the this is God's word. Like this is God's revealed word to us. And so I think going back every now and then and, and thinking critically about it and learning more about it is really helpful. So um, today we'll be talking about um, the Holy Spirit and its relation to scripture. Um, so I'd love to hear from you guys just in your own words. Like, what do you think the Holy Spirit's role is first and foremost, just in general? What is the Holy Spirit's role? And then how does that relate to the Bible, to God's word, to scripture? Any ideas or thoughts? Communicates with us. Yeah. Yep. What else? Reminds us of things. Reminds us either of scripture, say you read something and then maybe three months down the road, the Holy Spirit will remind you of it again. Yeah. Absolutely. Holy Spirit influences and inspires and also comforts. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'll be honest, I didn't get a chance to listen to Jeremy's part number one for human authorship, but I'm sure we'll cover in that, um, since it is about authorship, I'm assuming we'll cover sort of how the Holy Spirit sort of, in, like, how the Word of God is inspired by God and how human authors wrote it, but it was divinely inspired, which means that the Holy Spirit played a role in that, and I'm sure he'll cover that um, in some way. Um, but primarily, I'm going to keep my phone on because I want to make sure we end on time. Um, historically, there have been two primary ways that the Holy Spirit uh, helps us uh, when we're talking about Scripture. When we're reading Scripture, we're studying scripture, when we're just even considering scripture at all, historically there have been two ways that the uh, Holy Spirit is involved in that. And uh, the first one is this categorical bucket that we call illumination. The other one is kind of what the topic of this class was going to be on until I broadened it, which is the uh, what we have historically called the inner testimony of the Holy Spirit. So there's illumination, and then there is... Um, the inner testimony. So I wanted to start by going over illumination and sort of defining that, like what it means. Um, I'll probably spend a little more time on the testimony part since that's what the class was originally about. Um, we'll talk about what that is. And usually what's helpful for me is also talking about what it isn't, right? Sometimes it's more helpful to talk about what something isn't. And that kind of helps better define what it is. Um, so I want to read this paragraph real quick. So this is from the London Baptist Confession. Um, oh, also, at any point, if you have any questions or comments, just let me know. Otherwise, I'm going to kind of just read through what I, what I studied this week. Um, so this is paragraph six of chapter one of the London Baptist Confession. And this is, again, we're, we're talking about illumination. 
So the whole counsel of God concerning all things necessary for his glory, man's salvation, faith and life, is either expressly set down or necessarily contained in the Holy Scripture, unto which nothing at any time is to be added, whether by new revelation of the Spirit or traditions of men. So that's talking about Scripture. And then it says, Nevertheless, we acknowledge the inward illumination of the Spirit of God to be necessary for the saving understanding of such things that are revealed in the Word, and that there are some circumstances concerning the worship of God, government of the church, common to human actions and societies, which are to be ordered by the light of nature and Christian prudence, according to the general rules of the word, which are to be observed. So when we talk about illumination, we're not talking about what we'll get to, which is inner testimony. So inner testimony is the idea is that the spirit confirms in us the things that we see in scripture and know to be true. Illumination is less of a confirmation and more of a revealing. Right, so the Holy Spirit helps illuminate the text to us. So when we speak about the Holy Spirit's work, uh, it, it gives an understanding of Scripture. Uh, there are times in our lives when we're reading the Bible and suddenly we're struck by something in the text that we've never noticed before. So kind of what you were saying, Lindsay, is like, uh, well, either, either we've read something we know we've read a million times before, but all of a sudden it just, it, as the kids say, it hits differently. You know what I mean? It's just like you're reading something you know you read a million times, and then all of a sudden it somehow means, it's somehow more impactful this time that you've read it, right? Or you understand it in maybe a slightly new way. Um, maybe we understand the contours of an argument that escaped us previously. So that's what illumination is. It's when we're reading scripture, we're trying to understand scripture, the Holy Spirit plays a role in illuminating that to us, right? Um, can somebody read 1 Corinthians 2? 9 through 13. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. Hold on one second, Did Gail. I, I think that's the wrong one. First Corinthians? 1 Corinthians 2. Oh, 2. Yes. I heard 3. <laughs> no worries. That's also a good passage. <laughs> All right, 2, 9 to 13. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. So as you can see here, yeah, that's great. Thank you. 
Yeah, so what the Apostles is describing here is that work of illumination, right? It involves the Spirit teaching us the depths of God, as it says in verse 10, but not because he does not know the mind of God. That's not implying that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, doesn't know the mind of God because the Holy Spirit is God, right? So he already knows. But in order to grant us the understanding that the Lord wants us to have. So in other words, he searches the mind of God for our sake. He doesn't just open our minds and hearts uh, at the time of conversion to everything that there is to know about God, right? It's not like all of a sudden we become believers and all of this makes sense and we're just these, you know, erudites with all this infinite knowledge of of scripture and God, it's over time, the Holy Spirit on our behalf searches the depths of God so that we can better understand what God is revealing to us through his word. Over time, it continues throughout our Christian life uh, in order to make the gospel make more sense and to convince us of its truth. So um, just a note of that too, and we'll cover it again in the testimony of the Holy Spirit as well. Um, This idea of illumination is not to say um, that it's giving us some kind of secret insight, right? We're not, we're not talking about anything Gnostic here. It's not that there's some secret knowledge that nobody's had before that the Spirit gives us. It's literally that the truth is there. The truth already exists. It's not being added upon. There's nothing being, uh, being added to it. It's simply that the Holy Spirit is helping us to derive meaning from what's already there, right? So the work of illumination is not revealing something new in totality. It's simply revealing something new about what was already there. Does that make sense? So it's not any kind of special revelation. So um, it is simply helping us better understand the the Bible is special revelation. It's not adding anything to it. That's what I'm trying to say. So the work of illumination doesn't add anything to this. It simply clarifies it and helps us understand it. So so I wanted to start there because that's kind of the first way that the Holy Spirit... Uh, sort of helps us. That's one of the one of the first ways that the Holy Spirit um, works in relation to Scripture. So, the second part is what we have historically called the inner testimony of the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna again, I'm gonna go back to the London Baptist Confession because that's the confession we hold to here at Community Bible Church. Um, and not that that supersedes Scripture, but that it points to Scripture and helps clarify. So we'll start there and then move into some some scripture as well. So this is paragraph 5 of chapter 1. This says, We may be moved and induced by the testimony of the church of God to a high and reverent esteem of the holy scriptures and the heavenliness of the matter, the efficacy of the doctrine, and the majesty of the style, the consent of all the parts, the scope of the whole, which is to give glory to God, the full discovery it makes of the only way of man's salvation, and many other incomparable excellencies, and entire perfections thereof, are arguments whereby it doth abundantly evident itself to be the word of God. Not, excuse me, yet notwithstanding, our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and the divine authority thereof is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts. So, that is, a, <laughs> that is a mouthful. Basically, what it is saying, the last couple lines are, 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 what sticks, are what sticks out to me and I think are most important, right? 
our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and the divine authority thereof is from the work of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts. So that kind of sums up what the testimony of the Holy Spirit is, right? That is where our assurance in what is true, what scripture says to be true, the the divine authority that it holds, the assurance that we have in that, that comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is bearing witness um, for us by and with the word in our hearts. So not only do we have this word, the word of God as it's been revealed to us, we read it, we consume it, we write it on our hearts, and the Holy Spirit then convinces us, persuades us the assurance of this word. Do you have a thought? Yeah, I really like this. This is a uh, really cool distinction. I think illumination. We talk about. I think we talk about a lot. Like yeah. If you don't understand this, you can read this all you want. If the Holy Spirit doesn't help you understand it, you won't understand it. Yeah. This bearing witness is like the aspect of believing it. Mm-hmm. So you've got an understanding, but then the us to believe it is a work of the spirit in our hearts yeah it's a work of grace in our hearts yeah uh, so so that really and that's of course we preach this that we only believe this because God enables us to believe it. faith yeah. is a gift and this is kind of describing a way that we receive that gift yeah to me yeah I mean in in full transparency it's like what I've re- what I realized in studying for this is that we kind of conflate those two ideas and in my you know youthful naivete arrogance pride whatever you want to call it it's like when I first read that distinction I'm like oh that's just that's semantics it's it's some smarty pants in a seminary somewhere like (laughs) uh you know coming up with a fancier way of saying something else you know what I'm saying like we're all saying the same thing but with slightly some of us are using ten dollar words and some of us are using two dollar words um but as I was studying and realized there's kind of a distinction between those two thoughts that this idea that the Holy Spirit illuminates scripture but then it also confirms it um, was actually really powerful um, so I've really enjoyed um, being able to study for this um, as believers the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives to pres- provide us um, with the assurance of salvation um, can somebody read Romans 8 verse 16 Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Right. So kind of going back to what Sheldon said, that language of, you know, you know, com- that kind of confirmational language, right? So when we talk about illumination, there's the idea that scripture is of the spirit and only the spirit of God can know what these things mean, right? Only the spirit can discern the spirit. And so this there's illumination of the spirit helps us understand what this is even saying, right? This doesn't even make sense until we have the Holy Spirit. Somebody who doesn't have the Holy Spirit can read this. So I'll give you an example. So at our old house, which is in a neighborhood like three minutes this way, I had a neighbor, he was really awesome. He was a single dad. He had a son that my son loved playing with. He was very uh, very kind, very chill. I liked, I liked being around him. So one afternoon we were kind of hanging out on our uh, 
back deck and I was grilling, invited them over. Um, and somehow we got talking about, I don't even remember how it came up. We're talking about religion. And he's like, so do you go to church anywhere? Like, are you a Christian or whatever? And I was like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I uh, go to church down the street. You know, what about you? And he goes, well, I was raised Catholic and I kind of meddled around in other things. Um, but you know, I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of agnostic at this point. Um, but I find, he's like, I find the Bible to be really fascinating. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? He's like, well, I just enjoy reading it. Like it's, it's one of the most, I forget exactly the sort of the accolades he put on it, but he's like, the Bible is just one of the most interesting books in the world. There's all these stories that are just kind of crazy to believe, right? Like, you know, you hear about that guy that killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. Like that's nuts. You know, it's just like, there's almost like a storybook almost right and a lot of that obviously he's referencing these kind of these wild stories that we hear of uh in the old testament right Um, but there wasn't any sense of understanding the new testament about the coming of christ and the reconciliation of man to god the understanding of uh, being indwelt with the holy spirit and, and and having this relationship with god it was no sort of mention of that it was it was a book of stories and then i I think the only reference he really made to the New Testament was almost like it's just a good uh, it's a good guide for morality, right? So he had the Bible, he has the Bible, he's read it, read parts of it or a lot of it, but he doesn't understand it, right? He has the Bible, he has the Word, but that's that is an evidence of this idea that without the Holy Spirit indwelling in him, without him having been regenerated. He's looking at this as a collection of moral stories and, and bedtime stories. It doesn't actually change his life, right? It doesn't actually provide any value to him outside of earthly entertainment. Um, <clears throat> so I like that verse in particular, Romans 8, because it's also sort of distinctly different from illumination in that it says, The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So that's a little bit different language than just shedding light on something, right? When it says the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, like that that's very confirmational language, right? Like this is this idea that the spirit confirms with our spirit that we actually are children of God, that we actually are uh, a part of God's family, which is a pretty cool thing. So um, so that's kind of the distinction of the two. What I'd like to do then is, and I have some other verses that I think are really helpful, but I kind of sandwich them in other points. So what I'd kind of like to do is, is talk about just sort of generally give a few points on what testimony is and what it isn't. So this idea of the inner testimony, um, again, just kind of going through what it is and what it isn't. So the first thing I want to say that I thought was important because it's, help, it's a helpful for reminder for me uh, is that the inner testimony of the Holy Spirit is not a feeling, right? It's not a feeling. It's not a mystical feeling that believers get in order to confirm their place in God's household. Um, feelings aren't necessarily wrong, but they're fleeting, they're unreliable, and they originate within ourselves, right? They originate from us. They originate in our inner man, right? It doesn't mean that they should be avoided. It doesn't mean that feelings or emotions are bad. Um, they're actually an inevitable and God-given function of our inner man, and it helps us know what's kind of going on in our own hearts. But the more that our hearts are submitted to the influence of the Holy Spirit, 
the more Christ-like our emotions will be, right? So the, the more that we know and trust the Holy Spirit, the more in line um, with Christ-likeness our emotions become. Um, if you guys know Ron Roberts, Ron Roberts is one of our church members. He's a psychologist. He, I think he, it might have been him, and if, if not, I'll forgive me for misquoting. I think it's him, though. He was saying that, um, you know, your emotions, they can be in the passenger seat. They just can't drive the car. You know what I'm saying? So they, they can be there with you. You can have them. It's not wrong to have emotion. It's just that they can't drive the car. <laughs> they can be there. They can guide. They can help influence. They can be present. But they can't drive, right? Um, I think that's important. Say what? So who's the driver? Well, the Holy Spirit's the driver. <laughs> Depending on the analogy, the Holy Spirit's the driver or Christ is the driver. Anybody other than you and your own emotions. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So I say that just to say that, again, yes, way easier said than done. Um, I just say that just so that we understand the distinction. Um, God did not design how we feel, like, emotionally to be the barometer of, like, how we are with him. It's not to be sort of the litmus test for whether or not we are assured in our salvation, right? God gave us emotions, but they're not the standard. They're not the barometer, right? Our assurance doesn't come from how we feel about God or how we think he feels about us. Our assurance comes from something outside of that. The inner testimony, another, another not statement. The inner testimony is not new revelation. And I kind of cover that a little bit um, in, in the section about illumination. Um, but would somebody please read 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Got it. Go for it. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Right. So when we talk about inner testimony, testimony when we talk about the testimony of the Holy Spirit we want to make sure that we understand that it's not some new or additional revelation uh, that we should expect or anticipate after being saved what this um, passage is telling us is that we've actually received everything we need for life and godliness when the Spirit granted us the promises of Scripture that are brought about in the union with Christ um, there's nothing more that we need to rest secure in Christ. We don't need um, any additional or new revelation. Everything that we need for life and godliness, everything that we need is here already. So when we t again, when we talk about this testimony, what we're saying is the Holy Spirit confirms this, not adds to it. So uh, that's kind of a thing, not, not to pick on any other denominations or anything, but that's where some other denominations may get in trouble, is when you start talking about things that this, maybe this quote-unquote the Spirit has revealed to you, 
if the Spirit reveals something to you that's not actually found in Scripture, then it's not actually valid, right? The Spirit's purpose, again, is not to give you new information. It's to help you understand and confirm the information that you've already been given, right? Um, We actually, again, we possess... Uh, we already possess the gospel which makes us children of God. Everything we need for life and godliness, according to Peter, is here. Okay. The inner testimony results in our faith. Um, so, going back to Romans eight sixteen, that's the verse we read just a little while ago. It says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Um, I did, not, I did not know this. I found this in a commentary. But the Greek word translated bears witness, it actually communicates the idea of confirmation or supporting uh, a truth claim, right? So this, the language in Greek that's translated to bears witness in English actually means like this is a confirmation of something that is true. This is a confirmation that something you're claiming to be true is actually true. So again, we're going back to that, again, the, the inner testimony of the Holy Spirit is a confirmation to us. So, in other words, to bear witness about something means to demonstrate that it's true, which is exactly what the Holy Spirit does with the gospel. The Spirit testifies to our inner man that we are God's children by convincing us that the gospel is actually true. Interestingly, the only other two uh, times this word is used in Romans is, is refers to being convinced of something in your conscience. So again, that same word is used elsewhere. And it's used kind of in the exact same way. It's actually to, uh, it refers to being convinced of something in your conscience that something is true, right? So if we're convinced of the truth of Christ, it is because of the, uh, because of the Holy Spirit working on your inner, uh, inner man. The inner testimony of the Holy Spirit confirms our salvation by convincing us of the truth. Um, So the Spirit testifies to our inner man by convincing us uh, to recognize the Lordship of Christ in our lives. Could somebody read 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3? Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit testifies to us that uh, Christ is Lord in our lives. So nobody who has the Spirit of God could actually say with any real intention or meaning that Jesus is accursed. And no one could actually say and mean it that Jesus is Lord except if they have the Holy Spirit. That's what that verse is telling us there. Can somebody read Galatians 4 verses 6 through 7? Galatians 4, 6, and 7. Mm-hmm. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So here the spirit testifies to our inner man by convincing us to trust in the graciousness of the father uh, to adopt us as sons. Right? Can somebody read Romans 8? 
14 and 15. So here the Spirit testifies to our inner man by convincing us to turn away from our enslavement to sin. So as we talked about, right, the inner testimony being this uh, confirmation of sorts, it's also, it, the Holy Spirit plays a key role in our assurance. Right? As we talked about, if, we, if it were up to us, if it were up to our own ability to think through things or to have emotions through things, if our emotions were our own barometer, if our own capacity to think and understand, if it was all up to us, we would never actually have real assurance of anything, at least not of, of our standing with God. Right? Um, these things are confirmed to us by the Holy. They're confirmed to us by the Scripture, but the Spirit helps illuminate that to us, and the Spirit confirms that in us. That's why we can read these things on a particularly bad day or a particularly bad week and say, I don't, I don't actually believe that God loves me this week. I, I, don't, I don't believe that he's got me. I don't, I'm spiraling out of control here. And then we can, read, we can read what he says in his word, and the reason it has any comfort is because the Spirit actually confirms that in us. Um, Pretty cool. So, the Holy Spirit plays a, a big role in our assurance. Obviously, we have assurance of because of what Christ has done, not because of what we've done. So, our assurance is, again, it's not in anything that we do or don't do. Our assurance is grounded in the work of Christ. But there are going to be times where we just, in our own human capacity, don't believe that, don't live like that's true. Um, and the Spirit actually confirms that to us. So in your, submitting to, in, in your submitting to Christ, your appreciation of who God is, your separation from your old life of sin or any, or any attempt thereof, um, that's a work of the Holy Spirit. So anytime that we actually actively try to fight sin, anytime we actually try to appreciate who God is or learn more about him by studying the word, anytime we actually try to submit to him as, as, as our Savior and as the Lord of our life, all of that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's not, it's not through us, right? We, we couldn't actually do that or accomplish that. Um, there are certainly other truths that the Spirit confirms in the hearts of believers. In fact, um, apart from the ministry of the Spirit, it would be impossible for us to accept any truth. Um, would somebody please read 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16? Corinthians 2, 14 through 16, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, again, not through us, but through the Holy Spirit, we actually have 
what the scriptures say is the mind of Christ, which is another way of referring to this inner testimony of the Holy Spirit. So he is graciously at work in our hearts, uh, persuading us of the truth and providing us that we, uh, excuse me, providing us with the faith um, that we need to be right with God. So lastly, it, any, any comments, any questions? I feel like I'm talking a lot. <laughs> any thoughts, questions? I have just a kind of a question about, you know, for non-believers yeah. who, you know, have some sort of moral set in their lives. Yeah. How do you explain that, you know, like when they can reverse the issues that they are, the struggles that they face. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I just, I'm just, you know, is it just a Band-Aid? Or, because yeah. I know plenty of people that don't do a lot of terrible things and how they are, we're all sinful, but yeah. I'm just kind of thinking. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think that, well, for one, I think that for each individual man or woman, sin is going to manifest itself in different ways. So whereas, you know, Joe may struggle with lying, Bob's going to struggle with, you know, alcoholism, whatever, just whatever it is, right? Those are bad examples, but you get what I'm saying. Sin manifests itself in different ways and people naturally of their own gifts or capacities that God's given them, they're going to be able to deal with those things in different ways. Um, I think Byron used to say that you know nobody needs Jesus to be a good person. Like, nobody need, even necessarily needs the Bible to be a good person. Now, in terms of like where those people actually derive their morality, I, who knows, right? It can be from a myriad of other sources. I mean, I think there's some sense in which if you're talking about going back to our conversations like about natural law, there are things, there are truths of God that any man can kind of like, I'm going to use the word discern, but there's these truths that you can stumble upon even without actually knowing God, right? Like anybody can go and look at the Grand Canyon and have this idea that like, oh, there's probably a creator out there. It doesn't mean that they know God or, or, or they can't be saved by that knowledge, but there is at least some revealing of God to them. So it could be that. It could be that somebody has a sense of morality just because God has given them some sense of morality just through the natural law of things. Uh, it could be that they've learned it from some other place or source. Um, but there are going to be people that, for whatever reason, are able to conquer their sin struggles uh, in a way that maybe even sometimes we as believers can't. The difference is that they don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't have that reconciliation to God. So as good as they are at, quote-unquote, conquering that sin or putting that sin to death, in reality, it's, it's still not good enough. They don't have Christ. and They don't know Christ. And so they're not obviously effectually saved. But... It is that is one of the great mysteries of you know why why can some believer some, why will some believers still struggle with sin throughout their lives and why can some unbelievers quote unquote conquer those things? I mean it even goes back to Paul saying, you know, why do I keep doing all these things that I don't want to do and why do I keep not doing all the things that I do want to do? It's I mean even Paul struggled. Um, I do think that it's important that we know that because of the Holy Spirit, because of what we have in God's revelation that we can actually and should attempt to fight sin, mortify sin, put, put, to, put, put to death the sins in our lives. 
but just also knowing that it won't that won't actually be done perfectly that we can continue to look to Christ and that our assurance is not in whether or not we actually conquer that on this side of glory but that Christ has assured us through his work on the cross though again it's a hard balance right because we need to hear like God does not like sin I mean he's made a way for us to not face the wrath of that his his wrath towards sin he's made a way for that um but we have a responsibility scripture makes it very clear that we are to we are to we are to fight sin we're to mortify sin and um there are even practical ways of, of trying to do that but we know that even the practical ways whether that's like accountability or reading scripture more or like you know whatever that is going back to our topic like we know that that's not it's not actually generated from us it's generated <coughs> from the holy spirit there is uh, common grace we've talked about in other yeah. discussions. I mean, the only reason the world, given that you know, sin reigns in this world, why aren't things like a lot worse? Yeah. Or why are things really, really bad in some places and not other places? Mm. I mean, there's places nobody would want to live right now, yeah. and yet some people are living there. And so, I think part of what we observe in the world is common grace. God is in control. This gets thrown out there, but actually he is in control. Things would be a lot worse if, for example, people, if non-believing people had no conscience. Just think about what if there was no conscience anywhere? Yeah. Uh, what if people's parents didn't try to teach them right from wrong in like every, you know, every society, no matter how they figure out what right and wrong is you know try to teach people they have there's governments and laws and basically you know a lot of I've known some really good friends that were not Christians and they were really straight I mean, they were really they were really straight and and in terms of their morality yeah. and uh, but it, it, it was all based on you know kind of how they were raised so that's just a common grace yeah. gift to them yeah. and to everybody yeah it would, it would be chaos <laughs> if uh, if God wasn't providing for you know some sense of right and wrong right why, widely spread yeah <laughs> <clears throat> yeah that's good any other thoughts or questions I have one last point but it's pretty, it's quick So the last point I was going to make was that the the inner testimony of the Holy Spirit is is a part of of the Spirit's saving work in us of our sanctification, right? Um, when we trust in the graciousness of the Father, when we turn away from our previous enslavement to sin, um, those things are um, enabled in us by the Holy Spirit. So again, I may be beating a dead horse here, but it is this it is the influence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, over our hearts that makes a re- like a relationship with God even possible, right? To have just any version of relationship with Him, like the Holy Spirit is what enables us to actually do that. Um, the and through the Spirit's witness in our hearts, we can actually enjoy the blessings of, of this communion with God, right? All these things that we have because of God, this access to Him, uh, this even this like the fellowship of the saints, this assurance uh, that we have, it, it is all. It all comes from our union with Christ, and it all comes from the Holy Spirit illuminating and confirming the truth of that to us.
so he keeps us in union in Christ, uh, in union with Christ, excuse me, by preserving our faith in the truth. Um, and he bestows the personal benefits of union with Christ upon us by helping us grow in the strength of our faith and in the promises of God. In all of this, going back to that verse that we were talking about, uh, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So that, to wrap up, like that's that's kind of the, that's the verse that kind of ties it all back for me, is that, I believe it's the Romans 8, 16, is that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. It illuminates the truth of Scripture. Not only does it illuminate it, it confirms it uh, in our hearts. So, that's it. Um, any comments, questions, things we want to go over again? If not, I'll close this in prayer. Um, <clears throat> God, thank you so much for the Holy Spirit. Thank you that... Um, that the Holy Spirit illuminates and confirms the truth of Scripture in our hearts. Thank you that you have given us this gift. God, help us to be mindful of it, to, to the best of our human capacity, take advantage of it. God, may we um, continue to grow in our understanding of you, but also our desire for you. God, the, the Scripture describes itself as the Word of God and also as the bread of life. God, we know that... Um, in order to be fed physically, we have to eat every day. So we ask that by your Holy Spirit's power every day that you would have us feast on the spiritual bread, which is your word. Help us to um, desire it, to pursue it. Um, not in any hopes of, of making ourselves better before you or being accepted on any level. We know that we have that assurance in you and in your finished work, in, in the finished work of Christ on the cross. But just that we would grow in our understanding of you, grow in our relationship with you, that we would know and love and trust you more each day by spending time with you in prayer, spending time in the word. Um, just thank you again so much for how much you love us. Um, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this beautiful day. Help us to um, learn something new through the teaching this morning and help us to focus on worshiping you and giving you the honor and glory that's due to you. Uh, we love you, God, and we thank you for everything and pray this in your name. Amen.